0: and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, You are welcome here. Will you pray with me? Can you hear them, Holy One? The teachers, they are cheering pretty hard, and deservedly so. They survived April. It's the longest month of the school year, lasting about 247 days. But they made it. Can you hear them, Holy One? Yes, again, the teachers. Their hearts are breaking, even in their joy at the sight of May on the calendar. They are also weeping. We have required them to give standardized tests to their students, even though no student is standard. They are all made to sit for the test even if there are no versions of the test in their native language, even if they didn't get dinner the night before, even if they don't have anyone at home to tell them that a test doesn't measure their worth as a person. So the teachers stand in as parent, cheerleader, translator, counselor, case manager, interpreter, dryer of tears, referee, bodyguard, and life coach, all while educating our children which is the job they are actually paid to do. May our teachers know your presence, Holy One, and your peace that surpasses all our understanding. As for the rest of us, help us get our priorities straight so that we can lighten their load. Teachers, before updating the executive suites, again. Teachers before tax breaks for corporations, teachers before militarizing the police, and maybe more substitutes during the month of April. We pray in the name of Jesus, our teacher whose primary subject was justice. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is Psalm 30. And this is from the Inclusive Bible Translation. I praise you, O God, because you raised me up and kept my enemies from gloating over me. I cried to you for help, Yahweh my God, and you healed me. You brought me back from the realm of the dead, Yahweh. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to Yahweh, you who love God. Praise God's holy name. Yahweh's anger is fleeting, but God's favor endures forever. There may be tears during the night, but joy comes in the morning. When I presumed I was secure, I boasted, I will never be defeated. When I stood in your favor, Yahweh, I stood as firm as a mountain. But then you hid yourself from me, and I was filled with terror. So I called to you, Yahweh, I pleaded for your help. What good will come from my destruction, from my going to the grave? Does dust praise you, Yahweh? Can the dead proclaim your unfailing goodness? Hear me, Yahweh, and be merciful. Help me, Yahweh. Then you changed my despair into a dance. You stripped me of my death shroud and clothed me with joy. That's why my heart sings to you. That's why I can't keep silent. Yahweh, you are my God, and I will thank you forever. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Okay, we survived Lent, and we managed Holy Week, and we made it past Easter. And y'all should be more excited about that. Actually, we are not done with Easter. It is a whole season, a whole thing. For some, this sounds delightful. A whole season of Easter, of trumpets and hallelujahs, of flowers and spring and happy, bring it on. And then there are the rest of us who really aren't sure about it. It sounds like a lot of work, a lot of energy, we probably don't have time for a whole season of Easter, much less the right attitude for it. Oh, just the preacher feels that way. Okay, great, great. Well, the good news is that post-Easter, so- the stories we hear in the Gospels tell us that people have always felt those ways feeling all over the place, that is. In the Gospel of John, Jesus shows up on the beach where the disciples are fishing, and when the disciples see him, the disciple, whom Jesus loved, is so thrilled that he jumps out of the boat and swims ashore. The other disciples, well, they stayed on the boat. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus meets the disciples on the mountain near Galilee, where some of them were so happy they fell down and worshipped him, and others doubted. For the grumpier among us, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus appears to the disciples in that Gospel, he has to, quote, upbraid them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, which sounds like a personal attack. Then there's the Gospel of Luke, where the post-Easter feelings include the disciples being startled, terrified, and confused. I mean, it really is a mixed bag. And the psalm for this Sunday is the same way. It starts out with praise and thanksgiving, a whole lot of cheerleading for God, and then wham, Yahweh, you hid yourself from me, and I am filled with terror. But then just a few verses later, the psalmist returns to that joy and thanksgiving. One might think that this would be comforting to us, but there's something about the Psalms that are uncomfortable. I think this is in part because the Psalter speaks in the first person most of the time. As theologian Ellen Davis explains, it engages us directly in offering a prayer or a cry or a song to God putting the scriptural word directly into our mouths, these psalms assign us a distinctive voice, which is very often very personal. And and we don't really like for people to put words in our mouths, do we? We don't appreciate that. And another reason we're not particularly keen on the psalms is the theology. The psalmist correlates the course of life with the sovereignty of God. So no matter what, God did it, which even at its best, this kind of theology is risky. All sorts of distortions and misreadings are possible. This is how God gets blamed or credited with everything from environmental disasters to elections. There's a lot to unpack about this, but our ability to do so is limited by the fact that we aren't in dialogue with the psalmist so that they could clarify what they mean exactly. I mean, it could be that we misunderstand them, but what we know for sure, though, is that the psalmist looks for God in all places and in all circumstances. Even with our concerns about the psalms, we cannot set them aside. It's possible that the Psalms make us uncomfortable, not because they're putting words into our mouth or because of the theology, but because they actually hit a little too close to home. We see too much of ourselves in both praise and despair, the highs and the lows. I mean, there are some of us who are right there with the psalmist down in the pit We cannot remember the last time we caught a break. Bad news feels more consistent than the mail. Yes, we too have been filled with terror. How, we wonder, can hope arise in the midst of all of this? And we don't always like to admit that this is us. Sometimes we feel as Kate Bowler says, like we are the bad thing. Everyone else's reminder of their frailty, of life's cruelty, that life isn't fair or easy. There are those of us who feel like our illness or our grief or our addiction is too much. So we try to hide our humanity temper our complaints, avoid mentioning the next appointment or the update, pretend that we are doing better than we really are. But we don't learn that from scripture. The psalmist does not sweeten their story to make it more palatable or shrink to make themselves more digestible. Rather, they lean in all the way to their truth, even telling us what they were wearing on their darkest days, sackcloth. They are not afraid even to try to guilt trip God. Remember, Holy One, you made us, they say. (laughs) The word hope is not used a single time in Psalm 30, but the text moves from trouble to relief and thanks No fewer than four times, the sheer repetition of the pattern fosters hope that this time, too, we will come through. Rehearsing how we have found our way home time and time again helps us remember the many ways we ourselves have experienced healing, grace, and salvation. This is true individually and as a community It's why we have reason to believe that we have a chance against all of the trash legislation that's been passed recently about bathrooms, reproductive health care, and queer personhood. Those files are not closed, friends. We will keep working. And in the meantime, we'll keep shouting from this church steeple that God loves the rainbow. And as for reproductive rights, I've got an interfaith underground railroad set up to get people where they need to go to receive care. So for our beloveds joining us online from out of state, we may need to crash at your place. And then there are those of us who feel like we have indeed made it to the mountaintop, who are declaring right along with the psalmist, I will never be defeated. There are those of us who can make the claim that our mourning has been turned to dancing, that we are clothed with joy and we cannot keep from singing. And this, too, is right to claim, to rest in, to acknowledge, to lift up. We sometimes shortchange these moments, worried that we'll come across as braggadocious or that, God forbid, we'll jinx it. We don't learn that from Scripture, either. It is okay and important to celebrate when good things happen. You all will recall that I am not a nice pastor. (laughs) When our children assist as worship leader, I do not write their pastoral prayer for them. I make them write their own. After all, they never write mine for me we walk through that process together often starting with me asking them what do we need to talk to God about is there something that keeps you up at night something that worries you or something you've overheard adults talking about that sounds kind of scary and like all humans our children usually have something that comes to mind immediately but one time One of our kiddos said to me, Not really. There are just a lot of good things happening in my life right now, (laughs) like soccer. And then this pastor's heart grew three times. And we wrote a prayer about what it is to have fun and what it means to be a teammate, because God delights in our joy. The psalm helps remind us what it is to be an Easter people in that same way, to carry our highs and lows together. The psalm is filled with the ebb and flow of the life of faith. Good things are followed by bad things are followed by good things. The psalmist has the same choice that we do, trust or despair. And Psalm 30 invites us to express and to examine a wide variety of strong feelings in the context of our faith. The psalm refers to rejoicing, crying for help, thanksgiving, anger, weeping, joy, pride, hiding, dismay, supplication, praise, mourning, and dancing. These move back and forth between celebration and desperation, danger, and help, and the psalm never stays for too long in either reflecting the ambiguity we experience in our own lives. The psalm, explains Dr. Davis, is something like a red X on the map posted at various stations along a hiking trail advising, you are here. The psalm is orienting us, or reorienting us, every single day and gives us a place to stand right now in prayer. The psalm is connecting us with hope, the need, and the spiritual insight of people whose experiences may be different from ours, but not all that different. Putting time-tested words of prayer in our mouths, the psalm is offering us a place from which to move forward faithfully, in the company of saints who are journeying with God. What we might take from this particular moment is to ask, where am I now? Where are we now? And then then we can point to the verses that gets pretty darn close to nailing it, whether we are floating six feet off the ground or feel like we are buried six feet under, and then follow the trail back home. This is what it means to be an Easter people, people who are enthusiastic, doubtful, full of faith, cautious, afraid, joyful, faithful, shampoo, rinse, and repeat, because it is, indeed, happily, ever Easter.
0: You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m., with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.